Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 22nd episode of this podcast, Get Into It with Gila. In today's episode, I interviewed Yonina Kaufman on the painful topic of infant loss and body image. And one of the most important things we spoke about was the pain women feel when their bodies change due to pregnancy. But now, with this added suffering of loss, women experience such a deep sense of pain towards their body. Yonina explained that on the one hand, we are so fortunate to be moving in the right direction with this conversation. We're now giving women grace and permission to love and accept their postpartum body as opposed to the way it used to be, where we heard just get back to the pre-baby body. But on the other hand, women who have been pregnant and then experience pregnancy or infant loss are experiencing physical symptoms of pregnancy or postpartum, but without a baby to show for it. They may experience deep feelings of guilt and shame towards their body. One of the ways Yonina supports these women is by opening up the floor and letting them know that they are not alone. One in four pregnancies will end in a miscarriage, and one in a hundred pregnancies will end in a stillbirth. This is a real and common phenomenon. But we must not minimize this loss. We must not try to minimize someone's pain by saying how common it is. We want to allow these women to say they are hurting instead of hearing the infamous words, just get over it. We must break down the barrier so we can give support and permission to feel. Yonina specializes in helping women and couples who experience perinatal and infant loss, infertility, and perinatal or postpartum mood and anxiety disorder. Yonina can be reached on Instagram at Yonina Kaufman, and all of her information will be in the show notes. You could also reach me, Gila Glassberg, at www.gilaglassberg.com. If you want to work with me one-on-one, you could go to my website, www.gilaglassberg.com, and sign up for a 20-minute clarity call, or you could catch me on Instagram at dietitian.gilaglassberg. Now, without further ado, let's get to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay, hi everybody. Thanks for joining me on another episode with Get Into It with Gila. Today I have Yonina Kaufman. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, You're welcome. Could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what you do? what your specialties are. Sure. Um, Hi, I'm Yonina Kaufman. I am a clinical social worker. I work as a social worker in the Department of Education. Um, And in addition to that, I am the clinical coordinator for Eight Time Hug that supports women and couples who've experienced perinatal and infant loss. And I have a private practice that also that specializes in supporting women and couples who've experienced perinatal and infant loss. So thank you so much for having me here today. Sure. Um, could I just ask you, how did you, how did that become your specialty? If you're okay to share. Um, yeah. So I, uh, years ago, I actually worked in grief and bereavement. I worked for Fire Lifeline in their grief and bereavement department. And um, I ended up getting into the Department of Education. And as a social worker, I work in East New York. So East New York deals with a lot of grief and bereavement, a lot of loss, um, as well as many other issues that come up with our families and our students. And a couple of years ago, I had connected with a time hug and we were talking about just, I wanted to get back in, you know, involved in terms of uh, volunteering my time. And I reached out to Chami Friedman. She's the director of a time hug. And together we, um, first I started volunteering. I was on, I'm, I'm, I do their phone support on, um, I do their, I'm, I'm, not the volu- I'm on call on Wednesdays. 
um, when people call in, it's a 24 hour hotline. And then we also work together in terms of their social media. Uh, they have a Facebook page, they have an Instagram page um, that has really been able to tap into so many different um, women and couples who are struggling, whether it be infertility or pregnancy and infant loss. And slowly but surely, um, I also do their phone supports. I do a monthly phone support together with Homi Friedman. Uh, we talk about different various topics uh, regarding uh, miscarriages, right? And um, either miscarriages or infant loss. We, we attack different topics together. And slowly but surely, I became their clinical coordinator. And I opened up my private practice because this was something that I noticed was a need in the community. And I felt that I was able to help um, this community and this, uh, this small niche, this small uh, population that really, really needs support. And we're trying to break down the barriers that come with pregnancy and infant loss. We're working diligently to support um, all these women. I mean, it's a very private loss. It's a very private pain. And so many women and couples felt so isolated and they felt so alone. And I felt like it was my mission to really um, get involved and really have the communities realize that this population truly needs the support. Mm -hmm. And we support, we do, I do a lot of trainings with doulas. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of trainings with nurses and nursing staff to um, bring the you know, sensitivity concept into what it means to deal with women and couples who are experiencing loss. So I guess it evolved over the years. Wow, it's such a big like chasa that you do for the community that I'm sure so many, I know so many people who need and it's so, it is very isolating and like to have someone else to help you through it is like a huge chasad. Um, so today we're gonna talk about the topic of um, pregnancy loss and how that may affect the woman's body image or how she feels about her body. Does that, does that come up with your clients a lot? Um, it comes up as part, of, sure. I mean, sure, it comes up. Uh, you know, oftentimes, it's interesting. Lately, uh, you know, we're noticing, right? So our, our community has shifted. Our culture has shifted, right? And the idea of when a woman has a baby, right? It used to be, you know, the prepartum baby body, you know, the, you know, the, the, how do you get fit, get back into shape right after having a baby? And that was our culture. And slowly but surely we're breaking down that culture by saying, no, you do not have to be back into your uh, prepartum body. And oftentimes women are able now to reflect at their bodies and be able to say, okay, I am bigger. I, I, my body has changed, right? Why? Because I was able to carry a baby and this is the result of being able to carry a healthy live child. And, you know, I have to give myself grace because look what my body was able to do. So that was that's where we're, our culture, thank God, is shifting into, in terms of giving ourselves permission to look a certain way when it was, you know, for so long, we were told that it's not okay to look that way. The only shift, though, comes in um, when we're dealing with women who did carry a baby, and then all of a sudden, they have nothing to show for it. So you're dealing with another whole population where they're looking the same way as a woman who had a healthy baby, right? Their body changes, whether it be even, you know, the second the hormones hit a body, the body is changing, mm -hmm. right? It's, it, it, and that could be with an early term loss and that could be with a late term loss, all right? And our bodies are changing. But what ends up happening was that is that when we don't have something to show for it, we sort of internalize it as if our body did something wrong. Right, and we and there's that so much shame and guilt and 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 that isolation in terms of loss, right? You look fine, quote unquote, and yet you're not fine. You're still dealing with the physical effects of a pregnancy, right? Whether that be the hormonal shifts and changes, whether it be the weight gain, uh, you know, whatever it is that changes our body, and yet not only do you have to grieve the actual loss of a baby, you're also grieving the loss of what your body used to be like or what your body used to look like. 
Right. And there's just so much that comes with it. Right, 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 right. As you're saying it, like I'm just having memories of like I have I had a very good friend. I have a very good friend who um who lost her baby in the ninth month and that was a huge part of her pain that, you know, she still had a postpartum body, obviously. And yeah, I mean, I also my my brother and sister in law, they lost their baby when when the baby was three months old and I remember my sister-in-law still having her milk and like she actually like continued to pump and like donated I think if I remember correctly but it's just so like just I'm just thinking about it like it's just so painful and you're so right about like there is that shift and I think that like I've recently like been thinking about it or posting about it like like yeah this body like birthed three healthy babies like it doesn't look the same but that would be like that would be weird if it looked the same, you know, like it, it went through a lot of changes. So, so how do you, how do you support women through like such a big, like a big pain? So, you know, we start off, you know, it's one thing that I can say how we're supporting women is really opening up the floor to the idea that they're not alone. Right. Um, you know, when it comes to, especially in our culture where pregnancy loss um, was always a taboo topic. It was always something that we didn't talk about, right? Oftentimes the responses are, oh, everybody has a, you know, miscarriage. Everybody, you know, I've been through that. Oh, you've been, you know, oh, well, everyone, you know, my grandmother had losses, this and that. And there was a tremendous amount of minimizing on the concept of even loss. Mm -hmm. Right. And together, there are, you know, Bar Hashem, we have a lot of organizations that are now available to couples and to women, uh, showing them that you're not alone, right? There are women, there are couples who are struggling with this around the world. And miscarriages happen one in four women. Right. Stillborns happen in one in a hundred women. Wow. Right? And yet, it's it's still a very private conversation. First of all, uh, you know, not, and there's no comparison. It's just a, it's a reality. Um, in the Orthodox world, there's no Shiva for a miscarriage or for an early, or for a, um, for a, for a late loss, right? Um, or for an infant loss before 30 days. Right. So there's no like structured way to grieve. Right, a shiva gives a, a, a time and then it's sort of like there's a structure to it, but there's no structure to it. So allowing, giving people, giving couples and giving women the ability to say, I'm in pain, right? And being able to reflect that it hurts and it's sad. That's a huge um, shift uh, because it used to be sort of, you know, get over it, move on. It was an early loss, what's the big deal? You can have other children. Look, you got pregnant at least. I mean, I can go on and on about the comments that are made to people. Right. Um, you know, and our, you know, I can say within my practice, I can say within the, within our community, we are breaking down these barriers. We are providing the support and the empathy and the platform, I think, to give women the opportunity to talk about their losses, to talk about their pain, to talk about what they experienced um, from their pain and how, uh, how it's manifesting and how it's, um, how it's playing out in their day-to-day -day lives. So first I just say, you know, when addressing and working with women, it's really just giving them that permission to feel right? Um, we talk about it now, again, in the mental health world, we are shifting and thank God for social media. Um, I mean, for people like you, I mean, it's unbelievable what you've done, Gila. It's, it's, I'm fascinated. I'm amazed by it over and over. And especially in all the mental health professionals, especially in the from world where so much is so, still taboo, right? We're still trying to break down the barriers, right? You talk about eating issues. I mean, I mean, that's, it's, it's rampant. Right. Um, it's a rampant topic. So imagine that eating issues are rampant across the board and then add on a pregnancy loss, right? right? Add on an infant loss. It's not, it, there's no, it's not a competition. It's just, it's, it's just multiplied in terms of the pain and the feelings that come associated with the loss. And, you know, body image is just one part of it. 
right? And it's not just the body image. It's really when a woman looks in the mirror and says, it, there's so much shame in terms of her body, yeah. right? Her body disappointed her, yeah. right? And then what happens is that it becomes a, uh, the negative self-talk of, I'm not worthy. I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring this baby into a healthy, uh, into the world as a healthy child. What am I? Look at me. Um, and these are the internal dialogues that we have to um, hold space for and truly empathize that women are going through this and really give them that opportunity to really uh, sort of get it out there. Um, and really, uh, we need to hold that space for them. And once people realize that people are listening and truly understood and really validated, you find that there's a healing journey that women and couples have to go through. It is, it's a healing journey. Um, but the journey doesn't ha isn't alone. You're not alone on that journey. And I'm sure you've heard, I'm sure, I mean, I can tell you the stories we hear of how alone people felt and how long it took them to even, uh, get through the days and get through the months and because they felt so alone. So our goal is to really make sure that women know and couples know that they're not alone and that their feelings are valid and then help them navigate uh, the journey to, um, to being kind to themselves, to giving themselves that, that grace to sort of say, yes, you may not have delivered a healthy child, but you're amazing and you're worthy of taking up space and being present and being here. And it's not a reflection of who you are. You, your body is an imperfect situation by virtue of a situation that you're going through, but you're still beautiful. And it's a journey. It's a journey to get there. It's not easy, but it's not an easy journey. Trust me, I'm not. Right. <laughs> it sounds good, right? It sounds all nice and all right, okay. But it's it's a it's it's a process. It's a journey. I call it a journey. I don't like to say it's a process, but it's certainly a journey that people do have to go through, and women have to go through. So let me ask you. I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but like you said, we know that um, one in four pregnancies leads to, could end in miscarriage, right? And one in a hundred stillbirths. Um, but yet women are still like internalizing that something's wrong with them. Something's wrong with their body. Is that, do you think that that's just a natural thing that we do? We internalize that message or do you think it's coming from something else? I think that our culture is shifting. Um, I don't, you know, I think that it was always the message. It was always like an, uh, like either a spoken message or an unspoken message. Either it happens, what's the big deal, right? Which totally, um, invalidates a person's emotional attachment, emotional connection to the loss, or it's, some like unspoken, why? Because it's something that we were taught, a woman is supposed to have a healthy baby. It's a cultural, like, that's the norm. Like from the beginning of time, what's a woman's job? What's a woman's role is to have children. And again, I'm not saying that this is what the culture was. I'm not saying that this is whether it's right or wrong. Um, but the message always was, anyone can have a healthy baby, right? It was like a sort of like this, like, you know, anyone can get pregnant. And yet, obviously, we're realizing, I mean, infertility is very high. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a high number. It's not, you know, it's not everybody, you know, is, a, you know, is experiencing either infertility or pregnancy losses, but it's there. It's very present. We know people who struggle with fertility issues. Mm -hmm. We know people who have experienced pregnancy losses. And at, the more we normalize that it happens and that there is nothing that a woman could have done to have caused it, right? I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many calls we've gotten, right? Where a woman would be told like, oh, you know, if you didn't, I don't know, a woman once called in and she was saying how her, um, 
I am scared. I'm scared. Like, no, I know. I don't want to write. No, I, I, but there's so many stories. I mean, I had one woman call in, she was saying how um, she was so sick. She just wanted the pregnancy to end. Like she was just not feeling well. And a woman's response, her friend's response was, well, if you didn't think about, you know, how sick you were, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Right. It ended up in a loss. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, how many comments, well, if you didn't, you know, eat sushi, if you didn't go walking so much, if you didn't go, I don't know, I could, you know, everyone likes to attach it to a cause. Right. When in reality, pregnancy loss, most times, I mean, there's no uh, probable cause. And then if there are, that's what we have doctors for and, and getting the right help and getting the right testing done to figure out what's going on. That, unfortunately, that is, I mean, unfortunately, women had to push for the type of testings. Um, nowadays, we're a little bit more keen on it. We're a little bit more connected. Okay, if a woman is having a recurrent losses, let's do some more testing. Let's see what's going on. But, in but unfortunately, women have had to advocate for that. So I think we're just, we're evolving as a, as a, as a community and as a culture in terms of what our thoughts are connecting to pregnancy and infant loss. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we really are, I mean, we're, we're so much more ahead than we were. I could tell you that even 10 years ago, I can even say even five years ago, uh, first of all, our understanding about grief and bereavement, our understanding about grief um, and what loss is and what the grieving, there's, we don't even believe anymore in stages. I'm sure, I don't know if you ever heard of the five stages of grief. Right. I, right. Everyone's heard of it. We don't, we have totally dispelled even that concept, right? There's no such thing as stages, right? Mm -hmm. Grief in reality is like waves. Right. It's, 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 it comes, it goes, it crashes. It, you know, the tides are high. Sometimes you're triggered. Sometimes you're calm. Sometimes you're able to be present. Um, and yet, you know, we, and yet as much as we've gone, you know, further ahead, we're still behind. Right. right. And we're still working diligently in terms of breaking down. I can tell you, uh, you know, we're doing now a session for infertility, but loss is going to be connected for mikvah ladies. Mm -hmm. um, time hug is doing a uh, time is doing a thing. Why? Because even mikvah ladies need to be taught sensitivity to when it comes to women who are coming into the mikvah. I saw right? that. I saw that the other day on Instagram. It was so eye-opening what they were asking about. Right the sensitivities or the insensitivities, uh, doulas, how to, you know, work with doulas in terms of them working with women who are experiencing loss, nurses, right? You know, we're, we're, I'm still giving trainings to hospitals on how to address the sensitivities um, regarding uh, Jewish Orthodox couples around infant loss, right? Late-term losses um, and what it encompasses and what it, you know, what it encompasses for an Orthodox couple as well as any couple, right? And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, talk about, you know, religion does come into play with certain things, but empathy and kindness and sensitivity is, is, a, uh, is a universal language. Right, definitely. Right? So we are still breaking down uh, barriers. We're still breaking down uh, the misconceptions that people have regarding uh, miscarriages or pregnancy loss. And um, that's one of the reasons why I'm here today with you. <laughs> so when you were talking about the like belief systems that we have about a healthy woman, that a healthy woman gives birth to a healthy baby, right? That's like one of the universal, maybe the culture or that we're trying to dispel. Um, you reminded me of like almost just like what a woman in general should look like. Um, is the culture that I think is changing a lot. Just that, you know, I, I know, I don't know what it's like in the non-firm community because I have lived in the firm community my whole life. But I do know that it's like normal to think that like you would be a size two. Anyone should could and should be a size two if they tried hard enough. And you just look around and it's like, no, that's not true. Like women are all shapes and sizes. People are all shapes and sizes. And like, it's true, the more we could like normalize it, but not just for no reason, like normalize it based on the research and based on what we see in the world. Like everyone, you know, lives in a different, in a different body size or has different color hair, just like you would have different color eyes, you know? So 
um, I think that is really important. And I also wanted to say, like, from the beginning, you were saying that you um, you give the women support or the couples support by by letting them know they're not alone. So do you like do you like buddy them up with other couples or like how did it, how does that work? Um, so sometimes it depends on what the uh, what the issue is or what they're looking for. Um, there have been times um, where we do buddy up. Um, what I mean, there's so much that we do. I mean, I could talk about it on a personal level as well as, as the clinical coordinator for a time. Um, first of all, we do this monthly phone support, right? So uh, women call in, everything's anonymous. If you want to speak up, you're more than welcome to. By the way, please do. It's every first um, Tuesday of the month. So I think we're coming up, I think July 7th is this coming up um, phone support. Um, feel free to tap into our Instagram page, Eatime Hug. Um, so we do that. So women do call in. I mean, we get about between 40 to 60 call-ins, wow. um, which allows that anonymity, right? So that allows people, if they're, if they're not comfortable. Um, in addition to that, though, we do have a group me um, where women can um it's a it's a, it's sort of like instant messaging but it allows women if they want to be anonymous it allows them to be anonymous but they can find the support um there are so many women who are joining this group me um every day you know different women are participating and they are finding that connection to these other women there's they're finding that support they're finding that empathy for women who are experienced if not the same something similar um to what they're going through and they feel validated for what they're feeling, right? They, these women are able to hold space for them um, for what they're going through. In addition to that, we, um, we have done in the past, actually, we did a, uh, a get together with women who were comfortable. Um, there were women who felt that, you know, they, they wanted to be, they did different events. We, you know, at a time we've done different events um, for women because um, people do find that connection right? They do want to feel connected to people who understand what they're going through. Right. That being said, though, everyone's experience is individual, right? right? So there's no, uh, there's no competition. There's no minimizing somebody else's pain because of what you're going through. There's just empathy. There's just understanding. There's just uh, a connection that women do feel from other women who have gone through their, you know, gone through loss. Loss is also a universal concept. Grief is also a universal concept, but it allows them to find that connection with somebody else, with other people, um, through these different platforms, uh, to under to know that they're not alone, to really know that they're not alone. So that's amazing. I hope that who's ever listening could, you know, then if they if they could benefit, they'll t like take advantage of that um, if they need that. Um, but I'm sure you have many, many, many tools when it comes to. Um, pregnancy loss and like body image issues, but is there something that you could share with us, like one or two things that um, you have found to be helpful for women who are struggling struggling with their maybe it's their body image or maybe it's like being at war with their body for feeling like their body did something wrong or did something wrong to them. So I, the first thing that I. Um, that I do start off oftentimes um, with uh, women who are experiencing loss is the idea of sitting with feelings. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes because of our culture, right? So I'm sure Gilly can talk more on this than I, but our culture, by the way, it has nothing to do with the from community versus the non-from. I think it's just a, <laughs> a universal cultural misconception about our bodies mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, we're supposed to be small-bodied women, um, and right, and it's in it, and it's and it's and it's feasible, right? It's it's something to it's it's something to uh, worthy of obtaining kind of thing. Um, but the point is, is the idea that um, sitting with feelings, right, giving yourself permission to acknowledge all the feelings whether it be whatever it is. I, I, and, I, and sometimes I don't like putting the words into people's mouths in terms of what all those feelings are, but allowing yourself to feel angry, mm -hmm. allowing yourself to feel shame. Allow, well, the reason why I'm a little hesitant with the word shame is because shame has, is associated with secrecy. 
-hmm. and we want it not to be a secret, right? But that anger and that frustration and the disappointments and the, and the hurting and the, you know, even the idea of women, right? They, they look at other women who had healthy babies who bounced back to their pre, uh, you know, partum bodies, right? There's so much out there. There's so many feelings out there and giving yourself that permission to just sit and feel. Oftentimes we're being told, you know, close it up, right? Bounce back. You know, this is, you, just these feelings aren't healthy, right? Our culture has taught us to, you know, sort of like push everything under the rug, right? right? And you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just give it a few weeks. Just give, right. how many women who have experienced loss are expected to go back to work, right? right? How many women have experienced peri infant loss that they don't get postpartum, they don't get um, postpartum um, uh, leave, right? Right, they don't get the femla or the or the or whatever it is the that that that, that the jobs are giving. Now we are starting to see that there are companies who are giving um, bereavement time to couples. Actually, um, and again, it's a journey. It's it's you know right. you know one step forward, two step back. We are working on breaking down, but how many women are expected to sort of you know even the idea of going back to work? Right, right put on your skirt, what happens when her milk is coming in? A woman's body is completely changed from all these hormonal changes. And we have to give that, that we have to give space for that, right? The, 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 the fears that can associated when, uh, when a woman can't carry a healthy baby, right? right? The, the, the trepidations of, will I ever have be able to have a healthy baby? You know, looking at our bodies, right? Being able to say, you know, will my body ever do what it's supposed to do, right? And imagine where the culture of being thin is, not only do I not have a healthy baby, not only do I not have a baby, right. now I'm also heavy, right. now I also gained weight. Right. And it's like, I guess my goal as a therapist, and I, and, and, I, and again, as well as, the, as working with Atom Hug, is really giving women permission. Right. Giving them permission to feel. And being able to say, you're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to feel all these feelings. And then when they're able to really navigate, and again, that's like a whole other session of what it means to really sit with feelings, uh, what it means to really cry, giving yourself permission to cry. How many women are, you know, they're expected to sort of like not show emotions, right? right? They're supposed to sort of just say, you know, okay, it happened and now, you know, I'm supposed to be fine. Right. right. But and yet we give grace to women after they've had babies. Right. right? Our culture is it's a very interesting um, perspective in terms of loss versus having babies and, you know, in terms of having children. Um, so that's one thing that I would that I do talk to women about in terms of. You OK? Yeah. In terms of giving themselves that permission. Right. And I often I find very much that when women and couples are given that space to really feel. Right. So there's a there's a there's a concept that when you can feel all one emotion, when you allow yourself to feel one emotion, it allows you to feel another emotion. Right. So when we don't address the anger, when we don't address the pain, when we don't address the anxiety, when we don't address the fears and we don't address all of that it's hard to feel the more positive feelings, right? Right, And we have found that as the healing journey is, uh, evolves, right, women and couples are able to uh, sort of um, go through the grieving process uh, in, a, in a healthier way. Right, I mean, I've heard this, I mean, we, I do this sometimes, not, it's obviously not the same thing, but just like somebody who's ready to like reject the diet mentality. And they've always thought like, it's almost like, you know, they have this, this goal for so many years, like I'm going to get thin one day, I'm going to find the right diet and get thin. And when they accept that they might, their bodies might never change because just like you can't change the color of your eyes. <laughs> um, they do kind of like grieve the body that they wish they could have had. And we talk about like, you know, feeling your emotions, sitting with your emotions. Like um, I know my friend Rena Riser, who also, um does into is an intuitive eating counselor she she always says this or i've heard her say many times like um if you think about it you're like swimming in a pool and you're trying to like push a beach ball down because uh, you don't want it to like 
surface. So every time you push it down, it smacks you in the face. But if you would just like tap it and let it like lie next to you and welcome it and notice that it's there, it's much easier to swim with it, you know? So it's really interesting. I, I tell that to my clients a lot. Like, I don't know why we were taught not to feel our emotions or that like emotions are bad or scary or don't feel that way. But like, it, it just seems like so obvious to me now, like after a few years of doing this, like, yeah, I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. And uh, it's okay. <laughs> like, it's so liberating. I mean, the, the culture has always been, and this is, a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's across the world, the idea of what it does mean to be strong. Right. Right. So the language of strong is always, you know, pick it, you know, fall, pick yourself up, brush yourself off and move on with life. Right. When in reality, we're now learning uh, that our bodies tell the story of all that, of all those emotions that we're not releasing right. um, and how it manifests in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And we find that a lot, especially with women, you know, in terms of grief and loss, mm-hmm. um, when we give permission to, for women to grieve, right? And, you know, just even, you know, I have, I, you know how many women, I can't even begin to tell you who are grieving. They didn't even know that they were allowed to grieve in early term loss, mm-hmm. right? Because then they hear, right? What's the message? Oh, it happens in one of four women. What's the big right. deal? Right. right. But we don't know what the connection was to that pregnancy. We don't know what the hopes and the dreams and the, and the visions, right? And not only are they grieving the loss, the actual loss of that pregnancy, but they're also grieving what those visions are, just like you say about a body. Right, right. right? And holding space for somebody to go through that grieving journey has really has been liberating um, for so many. When, it, you know, in the past, I've, I've had, I have a story, I, I tell this story a lot. I have a woman who um, she called into the hotline and she says, I don't know what to do. I'm very upset. Why? She says, my sister made a wedding and my other sister who had a stillborn 20 years ago around the same time when this Kala was getting married, she refused to come to the wedding. And I'm so angry at this sister for not coming to the wedding. I mean, it's 20 years later. Why couldn't she come to the wedding? And through the conversation, I said, okay, you know, I'll hold space for that. You're allowed to be upset. I said, but I'm wondering if we're able to also hold space in terms of being empathetic to a sister that even after 20 years, she's still so sensitive to the loss of that baby that even going to this wedding was a huge trigger for her. Mm -hmm. And her way of taking care of herself was saying, I really just don't think I can go to this wedding. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a really interesting story. I think that's a really good, really good story because at least for my clients, I'm sure, I'm sure for your clients also, but maybe just universally, like if there's something that's like really paining us, like a really strong emotion and we finally figure out what we need to feel safe or comfortable or whatever, we need something, but we don't want to give it to ourselves because we're so afraid of what other people are going to say or feel. Um, so then we we stop, you know, caring for ourselves because we're afraid to hurt other people's feelings. And I'm not saying to disregard other people's feelings, but sometimes our decisions hurt people's feelings. So that doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. So we have this conversation a lot when it comes to pregnancy loss. Um, you'll, I mean, so often you know, people will say, oh, how many children do you have? Right. And we get that call all the time. Like, what am I supposed to answer? Like I had, a, I was pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, what do I say? And the reason why people don't say it is because they're afraid to make other people feel bad, right? Our culture has always been that message of like, we don't want to make other people uncomfortable, right? By our reality. Right. And you know, again, I'm very sensitive to everyone has to know where they're comfortable being able to be vulnerable. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very sensitive topic in terms of vulnerability and being able to share your story. And we have so, we have seen over and over again how when women are able to come out and say, I've had a loss, 
And when and women are able to be comfortable and share their pains and share their fears and share uh, their, their, their experiences when it comes to pregnancy or infant loss, they do feel a sense of relief, a sense of release, mm -hmm. right? When they're able to share it with the world or with their people, with the people that they feel safe with, um, there has, it is part of the healing journey. Um, and they do feel better that they don't have to keep it so hidden inside. They don't have to feel so alone with their pain. Um, and that is something that every woman does navigate, the idea of not wanting to make other people uncomfortable. You know, we do talk about self-care. We do talk about what your needs are. If your need is to talk about it, then we need to find ways where you can feel safe enough to talk about it. Uh, you know, there was a woman who posted actually on Instagram, from what I understand. She says, you know, everyone posts about how, you know, good they feel about their bodies after having a baby. And, you know, I don't have to fit into my post prepartum body or bathing suit or skirt or whatever or whatnot. And then all of a sudden, this woman posted her body after having a loss. And the, the, she was flooded with women thanking her for talking about this taboo topic of like how, you know, a woman does look at her body and feel after a loss right. because it's so not a topic that was ever really addressed. And so even you, Gila, bringing it up, and this is a topic that we get to, and you opened up the platform for it. Um, I hope it supports women. Um, and gives and, and hopefully validates whatever they're thinking and feeling and that knowing that there are different ways to cope. Uh, you know, we do provide um, different supports in terms of whether it be, uh, you know, different ways of taking care of themselves. Uh, we talk about self-care, right? So self-care, yes, we talk about getting your nails done and getting your hair done. But in reality, what we really do talk about self-care is really boundaries. Right. Right, so if a woman doesn't feel comfortable going to, let's say, a simcha because she really feels uncomfortable, it's you know navigating those type of social pressures, right? Uh, in terms of you know, especially when people don't know about a loss, right? Um, we talk about women in terms of boundaries of what they're comfortable talking about, what they're not comfortable, who they're comfortable talking about, talking to, who they're not comfortable, um, creating just that space to be able to take care of themselves um journaling listening to music these are forms of self-care uh, you know joining support groups right Definitely. joining an oh you know the platform and then when they feel that this is not the right platform for them self-care is also disassociating themselves um and being and saying that this is too triggering for me or i'm really in a good place right now i don't need to be constantly reminded about my loss or whatever or whatnot um in addition to that we talk about finding someone to talk to um you know some each time we we do have that 24 hour 24 7 i really say 24 6 uh, and a half right. um support hotline so there's always someone available um mm -hmm. but if you don't feel like you have that support system right whether it be a friend whether it be a parent a family member whatever it is uh, seeking that therapeutic support is is a big part of self-care definitely it's a big part of giving yourself that space and that time to really um feel safe with all of your feelings and letting somebody else hold them with you and help you navigate this really uh difficult journey right so could I ask you a question? Um, I was actually having this conversation with two friends last night. We went for a walk, our self-care. And we were talking about like, it's sometimes like we're scared to say anything. Like we're scared to ask anything. Like, do you think, is it not appropriate to say to someone, how many kids do you have? Like if you see them with one or two kids and you say, oh, how many kids do you have? Is that like, should you be careful to not ask? You know, I think that we are evolving in terms of, you know, one of the questions when I read somewhere, like instead of saying how many kids you have, you know, what does your family look like? Mm -hmm. um, I saw, you know, somebody said that that was a little bit more of an appropriate way of, you know, of asking the questions. Um, I think that, I think it's more about awareness, right? Like, does it really matter how many kids a person has? 
right? It's starting conversation, right? It's sparking conversation. And yes, we're trying, you know, we want to, our natural instincts, especially if you're an extrovert like myself, um, is to um, is to start conversations. Um, but I think it's also, it talks about awareness of being aware of what we don't know. Right. Um, and really just being sensitive to it, right? So, if, you know, it, instead of asking how many kids you have, you see, you know, where do your kids go to school? Right. <laughs> if right. you see that they have children. Right. Uh, you know, what's your family life like? You know, again, our culture does that. It's sort of like, that's what we do navigate, right? Especially with, you know, when we're talking in conversation, we're starting conversation. I think it's just really just, I think the point is to really just be aware. Um, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, when we ask how many children you have, a woman who is just experiencing a miscarriage, it's a trigger. Of course, of course. You know, it's a sensitive topic. It's a sensitive question. Uh, it's not that you can't ask anything. Right. I, I think that we just, I think we're all navigating um, as we've, as our culture is shifting in terms of awareness, it's just bringing out more sensitivities right. than we've ever had to really think about. Right. And I, um, I was just listening to Brene Brown's podcast um, yesterday and she, I love Brene Brown, um, mm -hmm. but she was saying like, I don't, I think she was saying that like, I don't have it right, but I'm trying to get it right. Like something like that when talking about, let's say racism, like what's going on now in the world. And um, just like a, sh a short story that like really brought this home to me, like really, really, really brought this home. Um, maybe it's just like as a, like a maturity thing, but like I remember when I was actually out with like two a few therapists from the community who I met from social media or and I was telling a story and I said like, oh, it was before my mom died or, but then my mom died, something like that. And I was like, sorry if I made you uncomfortable about that. And they were like, stop apologizing about like, it's, don't worry about us. Like, and I was like, oh, because they're therapists, but I was like, wow, like, yeah, I guess you're right. And I was thinking back to like a time, like a few years before that, my, my sister-in-law lost her mother. And I remember every time she would bring up her mother, I would feel so uncomfortable. I would change the topic. And whenever someone would do that to me, it was like a dagger in my heart. Like if I was bringing up my mom, like I wanted to talk about her. So I learned a lot. Like I don't blame anyone for doing that because I totally did the same thing. And I don't know if everyone's different. Like maybe somebody bringing it up. I, I can't imagine they don't want to talk about it if they're not bringing it up. But maybe some, maybe by, you know, maybe somebody asked a question and they didn't, they felt bad, like saying, I don't want to talk about that, you know, but I don't know. I just learned a lot from my own experience and everyone's loss is different, but I do feel like you got to pick up on the other person's cues, you know? And that's really what it is. Uh, you know, we do talk, uh, there is a culture um, where women say, please talk about my baby. Right. Uh, you know, please, you know, please don't pretend it never happened right. when it comes to loss. Other people, uh, however way they're cope, everyone, co the bottom line is everyone copes differently. Right. Um, and the different messages and the different um, supports that they have, uh, you know, some people need to just let it out there. And, you know, the idea of apologizing, isn't that, you know, we apologize for making, you know, for bringing it up They're, you know, they want everyone, you know, to her, it was, no, please, I want you to be, you know, right. aware of the fact that my mother passed. And on the other hand, there are women who, they don't want to talk about it anymore. They do feel like they heal. They do feel like they, um, they went through the journey and they're, they're ready to, you know, on to the next stage of their lives. And, and everyone has different coping mechanisms and everyone has different uh, ways of healing. Um, and I, and I, like you said, I think you just made a really good point. We, we do base a lot of our experiences, our, a lot of our knowledge oftentimes comes from our own personal experiences. Right. Right. And I think what it really just boils down to is that one, just because we went through one thing doesn't mean that that's the same for everybody else. Right. Um, just because we dealt with it a certain way doesn't mean it's the right way to deal with it for somebody else. Um, and in addition to that is opening ourselves up to other ways of dealing and coping and 
um, understanding other people and their experiences and their uh, connection to those experiences. Right, definitely. Yeah, those are all really good points. And I think that, it's, I don't know, I just feel like it's, this seems like almost like obvious to me now where I am, but like, I remember before I knew about like, you know, my own loss or my, the people in my life's loss, like I really needed to hear that, you know, I really needed to hear that. Like everyone grieves differently. Everyone's story is different. Um, and I think that it's very helpful and like important for people to hear this. So thank you for joining us today. Is there anything you want, anything else you want the listeners to know? Uh, you know, again, it's, um, thank you, Gila, for, um, for bringing me on. Uh, I've learned a lot from you, uh, and I continue to learn. I'm constantly learning. I, um, I love it. I think that, uh, first of all, I think that social media has opened up a tremendous support system for so many, um, different struggles that women and, and, and people and men are going through. And people like you who have given the floor for so many different people to connect with you. I, I just, I'm, I'm honored to be uh, here with you and be uh, part, a part of that. So thank you so much. Uh, in addition to that, if anyone has any questions, any concerns, anything else that they, can, that they would like to uh, discuss, uh, you could feel free to reach out to me. I, I do have an Instagram page, Yonina Kaufman or you can email me, ytkaufman.lcslw at gmail.com. Uh, or if you want to call, you're more than welcome, 646-893-9194. In addition to that, we're always here, uh, whether it be through A-Time, whether it be through any other organization that supports women and couples who are experiencing perinatal and infant loss. And um, that's it. Okay, and I'm going to put all your information in the show notes and at the, whatever, I'm not tech savvy, but it will be there. Okay, <laughs> um, thanks. You're welcome. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. It was, I, I learned so much and I think that this information is really important and supportive for so many people. Okay, excellent. Thank you for having me. Sure, have a great day. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.